All right, we're going to go to Titus chapter 3. I think we're going to finish up the book of Titus this morning. As we begun the study, we noticed that Paul had left Titus in Crete to set some things in order. Set things in order that are wanting, the Bible tells us. And, and he did that by ordaining elders in every city. He was charged to ordain elders in every city. And, and then he dealt with the conduct of the church members as well. And uh, sometimes we don't like to hear that, but there's conduct expected of church members. Certainly it's expected of those in leadership, and, uh, but you're not off the hook as church members. And, and, and listen, you're not off the hook as a Christian. Uh, <clears throat> but we also saw the reminder of God's grace in our life. And it's by His grace that we're saved. And, and as we become heirs of grace, there's some conduct that is expected that's profitable. Uh, and there's those things that are unprofitable, and we should uh, strive to or endeavor to be profitable Christians. And we'll talk a little bit about that because one of the things that's been mentioned several times in this book is good works and being faithful to maintain good works. Uh, but as we come to the conclusion of the epistle, uh, there's some final messages for Titus, and uh, there's some farewell greetings for some folks that we don't really know anything about. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows of Zenos and Artemis. Uh, I've never heard any Bible studies about these two people because uh, they're only mentioned in here, uh, nowhere else in Scripture. Um, but so we were kind of introduced to s- some folks, uh, to some names, and we're reminded of our duty related to good works. But let's begin by reading verses 12 down through the end of the, uh, the book. So 12 through 15, it says, When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me uh, to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey, journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. <clears throat> all that are with me salute thee, greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. And so... Uh, I mentioned these, this fellow Artemis, and uh, it appears that Paul is going to send Artemis potentially to the island of Crete to take over for Titus. Um, he, he's going to send him to replace him there. Uh, we don't know much about Artemis. This is the only place that he's mentioned. Um, he's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. Uh, many believe that he was one of the 70 disciples and that he was a pastor of Lystra. Uh, at some point he was, he was uh, ministering there in that place, but there's nothing in the, the scriptures that can confirm that. And uh, I didn't do a deep dive in, in some of the uh, history of it. And, and, I, and hopefully it'll make sense why I didn't do a deep dive. Well, one is the Lord didn't mention any more about him. And hopefully that will make sense when I try to make an application here, here in a moment. But two, um, I have a quote here from Albert Barnes that I found interesting. It's about Zenos, but I think it would be applicable to uh, Artemis as people make all these assumptions about how these things are. Uh, but the Bible is silent on the matter. And so uh, we need to be careful that we don't get wrapped up in stuff that's not important, I guess is one application we can make there. But, um, but in verse 12, we hear about this man Tychicus. He might come instead, right? And so we know he's a Christian, uh, and he's mentioned four other times in Scripture, so he's a little bit more common to us. Uh, Certainly, if you've read your Bible through this last year, you've seen his name uh, five times. Well, maybe you're finishing up today. 
But if you're here in Titus, don't take too long of a nap this afternoon. You finish that book. Finish out. Um, Hebrews is not short necessarily in Revelation. Anyway, what am I? I'm distracting myself. Sorry. But he's mentioned in, in Acts chapter 4 that he traveled with Paul in those journeys. And he was sent to Ephesus and Colossae. He was a, a very well-known uh, person uh, to the Apostle Paul. And, and he was important to his ministry. Ephesians 6.21 uh, says this, but that ye also know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Uh, wow, what a blessing it would be to be identified as that. A beloved brother and a faithful minister. Just somebody that's faithful to serve. Uh, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that ye might comfort your hearts. And so he used Paul, used Tychicus as a messenger oftentimes. And then in Colossians it says this of him. Uh, all my state shall Tychicus, <clears throat> excuse me, declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister, and it says there, a fellow servant in the Lord. Boy, just to be a faithful servant. Uh, and it says, who I ascended to you for the same purpose that ye might know your, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. And so Tychicus was a critical piece of the Apostle Paul's ministry in many of the locations, uh, acting as a messenger and somebody that would uh, no doubt be a blessing an encouragement to the people in the different churches. Uh, and he was sent to Ephesus uh, at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. And, and so we see this man specifically is uh, truly beloved. He's faithful. He's a servant of the Lord. Uh, but there in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I think we can make uh, we can pull some things out of here that it perhaps was Artemis that eventually makes his way back to Crete because Tychicus, toward the end of Paul's ministry, is the one that went to Ephesus. And so, because when he said, I might send Artemis or Tychicus, and so perhaps it was Artemis that eventually made it to Crete. Again, we don't know. The Bible doesn't uh, really say. Um, <clears throat> but be, him going, Tychicus going to Ephesus would indicate that perhaps Artemis was the one chosen to go to Crete at some point. Um, but what I want to draw out is these men seem to be invaluable to the apostle as he ministered. Um, you, what I have come to find out in my Christian life is nobody ministers on their own. Uh, at times it can be lonely. And actually I saw a quote today that said, if, if the only company is bad company, it's better to be alone. Uh, but thank God in the Christian life, God sends people our way to labor alongside of us. Uh, he sends faithful people. And so um, my encouragement to you this morning is uh, you don't have to be well-known to be a blessing. You can be faithful. You can minister. You can be a fellow servant and not have your name written down anywhere. Uh, these men, we, we at least have their names. Uh, but don't look for notoriety in places. Uh, these men were invaluable, I believe, to the Apostle Paul and to his ministry and no doubt to the churches that he had, they had been traveling to. And uh, what a blessing. And then we, we see in verse 13, a couple other names. Bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. And so Zenos, again, uh, this is the only mention of him in Scripture. And uh, he was likely a, a scribe, but he was learned in the law. And uh, I found this note that Albert Barnes said interesting. <laughs> this is what Albert Barnes says, and I quote, and nothing more is known of him. That's what he says. That's what he opens up with regarding Zenos. And then he says this, 
he belonged doubtless to the class of persons. I'm like, how can you have, how could it be doubtless that he belonged to something if you don't know anything more about the guy? So if you think my teachings goofed up sometimes, these guys are scholars, man. They're writing commentaries. Uh, anyway, but it says that doubtless he belonged to the class of persons so often mentioned in the New Testament as lawyers. That is, who were regarded as qualified to expound the Jewish laws. It does not mean that they practice law in our modern sense of it. Um, and it says here again, he had doubtless been converted to the Christian faith and is not improbable uh, that there were Jews at Nicopolis and that Paul supposed he might be particularly useful among them, right? And so we, we could understand. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting that he said, we don't know anything about this guy, but doubtless this is the situation that, that was there. But anyway, and so we don't know anything about Zenos uh, really other than he was valuable to the Apostle Paul in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what more could we ask for of our lives to be useful for the cause of Christ? Uh, what a blessing. And then we have Apollos. He's an eloquent man, and he's mighty in the Scriptures. We learn that in Acts chapter uh, 18. Uh, he was eloquent and mighty in the Scriptures. I'm going to just going to read Acts 18, 24 through 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed of the way of the Lord and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. It says, Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Uh, and so he learned the word of God more perfectly, more completely. He, he was educated in the, under, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, here's a reminder to be teachable. This was an eloquent man. He was mighty in the scriptures. Uh, and sometimes if we're not careful and we get to this uh, point where we think we're mighty in the scriptures or, or boy, we're, we've arrived in this and all of a sudden we get a mean spirit about other opinions. And certainly we know that he was in error, right? But, you know, even still, I guess what I'm saying is remain teachable and understand that they, somebody might have a differing opinion and you don't have to divide with them. It does not need to be divisive. I have a really good friend of mine, and we don't see eye to eye, especially now that I'm in the ministry. They're, you know, it's like you go in the ministry and people are extra critical of everything you say or do. And, you, it's like, and, and so we've just agreed that it's not that big of an issue. It's okay to have a differing opinion. Now, obviously in Apollo's case, he needed correction, right? He, didn't, he needed to understand it more perfectly, the Bible says. Uh, but what I'm saying is sometimes where the Bible is silent, maybe in your commentary you don't put doubtless. You picking up what I'm putting up or picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Let's not be too dogmatic where the Bible is silent yeah. and understand there may be room for a different thought or in a certain area. Be careful. Uh, but we know Apollos was a great help to the brethren. In, in further on in Acts 20, 18, 27, and 28, it says this, And when he was supposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, whom when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And I, I find that interesting that by the scriptures is how Apollos made his arguments. So he was, he was taught more perfectly in the scriptures, and then he was able to take the scriptures 
and, and expound Christ. And so when we do make an argument on the Bible, let's make sure we're using it. Right? Let's make sure that we're using the Scriptures and not a tradition and not a, a preference or, or, listen, the hearsay or what has just been passed down. I have a lot. There's some things in my Christian life that I inherited that I believed. And as I've been in the Scriptures, I realize I don't think that's really exactly how the Bible is laying that out there. And so we need to be willing to adjust ourselves to Scripture, not preference or tradition or even what's comfortable for us. Because sometimes it's easy to stay status quo. But when God reveals it to you, uh, understand. And listen, the Holy Spirit will guide you to truth and, and to teach you. Uh, don't expect it to happen overnight, though. That's what I want. I want to go plug a USB drive into my brain and just download the scriptures and just have it all there. But that's not how it works. Uh, you will have to study. You will have to put some time into it. And so, so be willing to do that. But we know Apollos was, was a great blessing to many people uh, throughout his ministry. and it, So much so that he was idolized. Uh, remember the argument, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, and all oh, the spiritual ones, I'm of Christ, right? But, but listen, we, obviously that's a problem, and, and they were corrected there by the apostle. Um, in ver, 1 Corinthians 16, 12 says this, and, or, As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but he was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. And I thought, boy... We have liberty in Christ. You know, listen, I believe in the authority of, uh, of, of the, our pastor in those things, but if God is leading you in a different direction, it's okay. You don't have to fall in line. And I just, now, I don't think the Apollo, Apollos, it just wasn't for him to go at that time. It wasn't convenient. He, he was doing his ministry in those places. And so uh, what am I saying this morning? We can have a differing opinion and be okay. And we can still be a blessing and encouragement to the people of God. Uh, these men certainly were able to do that throughout the first century in the, in the establishment of all these churches. Uh, and, and what was the common denominator? They were faithful ministers, fellow servants. They were committed to the cause of Christ. They weren't committed to anything else but the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that ought to be a challenge for all of us this morning. Uh, what are you committed to? to? Church tradition? Nah, that's the wrong place. Family? Boy, I grew up in this. No, that's the wrong place. It needs to be in the Lord and His Word. Uh, be faithful to the Lord and His Word, and, and He will guide you where you need to be. Uh, and so Titus was to send Zenos and Apollos in their journey. Look at verse 13, what it says. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting. And so Titus was to support their journey uh, diligently, ensuring they lack nothing. And uh, we see this language, similar language in other passages about the support and hospitality to, Lord's, to those traveling on the Lord's work, doing the Lord's ministry or, or the Lord's work. Romans 15.24 says this, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and this is what it says here, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. At first I'd be uh, somewhat filled with your company. And then 3 John, verse 6 through 8 says this, Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. Look what it says here. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey, after a godly short, thou shalt do well. Because 
that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such. Look at what it says here in the latter part of verse 8 in 3 John. It says that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And so Paul is giving Titus an encouragement to support these men on their, in their travels and as they go about and ministering, that they might be fellow helpers to the truth. We often hear the term, fruit that abounds to your account. If we would give to the ministry and to uh, be hospitable and take care of these missionaries or, or help support them go to the field, that is fruit that abounds to our account. That's the same language that we see here. Uh, Titus is instructed to diligently uh, make it a matter of importance that you would support these men as they go forward to minister for our Lord. Uh, <clears throat> we ought to be hospitable. Facilitating the travel and the necessities of saints uh, that are serving in the ministry. And this, in the language here, it could have been personally by accompanying them. Uh, I don't think that was necessarily Titus's command, but other people in the church. Or by furnishing things for their journey to, to help uh, them on their way. And uh, it could also have to do with hospitable entertainment. I struggle there. I'm thankful for people that take me in and, and are hospitable to me. I just don't have that gift like it seems like some other people do. Uh, but listen, uh, what I will say is it was hospitality like this that helped spread Christianity so quickly. People understanding the need for people to get out and, and, and to go on a journey uh, to reach others for the cause of Christ. And so, so we need to be involved in that even today. Uh, I don't believe the gospel ministry of Paul would have been as effective without the support of others. There's no way. We know that people sent uh, to his necessity and provided for him. And, and listen, they encouraged along the way. Hey, as you're passing through, stop here at my house. And, and uh, what a blessing to have a missions house. We can host people here. And they don't have to come to my house. That's a two thumbs up in my opinion. Maybe four thumbs up if we ask my wife. But the reality is we know little of most of these men, or at least two of them. Uh, yet they were a significant impact to the churches that they ministered to. They made a difference. And what a blessing it is to understand that we don't have to be well known to be a blessing. I don't think too many folks are going to know of Justin DeGarmo when I die off. I got three boys that'll carry the name, but that's about it. Nobody's going to be writing books about my life. I just, 21 years in the military, and now just trying to serve the Lord the best I know how in the local church. And uh, are you content with that? You ought to be. Because if you're seeking something more than that, you're going to be disappointed in your... It's, you're going to be miserable. Because uh, <clears throat> you're probably not going to make it anyway. anyway. But they were an encouragement and a blessing. So don't look to be notable. Don't look to be the one we're talking about and, and is being brought up. Just commit yourself to laboring as the Lord leads. Just as the Lord directs you. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. 
And so I think we can learn a lesson from these servants. They were content to do their service before the Lord and not men. Matthew 6, 1, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. To be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. And that passage goes on. There's instructions about prayer and fasting in the same way. Uh, here's what some commentary says about being, doing things before men. Our Lord does not forbid us to give alms before men always, but only forbids our doing it to be seen of them for the purpose of ostination and to seek their praise. To a person who is disposed to do good from the right motive, it matters little whether it be in public or in private. The only thing that renders it even desirable that our deeds should be seen is that God may be glorified. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What's your purpose in doing what you do this morning? Are you just trying to honor God and live for Him? Or are you trying to impress people? To be notable? Uh, Listen, it's not that impressive. Let's be honest. The average Christian today, I'm afraid, it pales in comparison to some of the people that we read about in Scripture and their commitment to Christ. Just commit yourself to honoring God and doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do in the eyes of God. Uh, not looking for public praise. And here again, once again, Paul mentions the importance of of good works, and he exhorts the people to maintain them. Verse 14, And let ours also learn to maintain good works for the necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. And so I think in the context of the passage, this is in line with the exhortation of Titus to support those on their journey and to support the ministry. Uh, Because we know Paul had just directed Titus to aid Zenos and Apollos himself. He said, aid these people diligently. Uh, And he adds here that he wished that others, Christians, would be characterized by good works of all kinds as well. Uh, That that we would learn to maintain good works. Good works here refer not merely to acts of benevolence or charity. I don't think we want to limit it to to just that. Uh, But all that is upright and good to an honest and holy life according to the teaching of God's Word. Living in our lives in alignment with the Word of God. Uh, striving to please the Lord in all that we do. I know I don't want to be unfruitful. It says that they may not be unfruitful. I want to be found faithful, not unfruitful. But we need to work at doing good works. Uh, Listen, I don't wake up and just get after it. I have to put forth effort. I mean, it takes a little bit of work to maintain this just physically, you know. <laughs> but, um, but in the Christian life, you're going to have to put in some effort. You're going to have to read the Word. You're going to have to spend some time on your knees in prayer. Because you're going to need to draw from God's grace and His strength in order to do those outward things that maybe people will see. Doing it in your flesh is a hard thing to do. Because what happens is, the flip side, you're looking for the accolades and the pat on the back. 
You're looking for the visible things and people showing the appreciation. But it's when you get real with God and you begin walking with God and you begin depending on Him and His grace to strengthen you to do the ministry that you can go on without the pat on the back. When things aren't sunshine and butterflies, when it gets difficult. And, and so certainly we don't want to be found unfruitful, but we must learn to maintain good works. We must put some effort into this thing. <clears throat> that they be not unfruitful. What a shame to be found unfruitful. God has given us as Christians in Christ, we have everything that we need for an abundant life, for a fruitful life. And I would hate to be found unfruitful. We need to focus on those things that are helpful, not unprofitable. Because we can get sidetracked. We we looked at those things that are unprofitable last week. We need to focus on the things that that are profitable. We must learn to maintain good works. That word learn there, manthano, uh, it, it, it is a present active imperative. Now, I'm not an English scholar, but when you start looking some things up, these things come out. But I understand what that means. That means you're to keep on learning. Listen, you've not arrived. No matter how long you've been in church, no matter how many times you've read the Bible through, no matter how many hours you've spent in prayer, you haven't arrived. No matter how many good deeds you've done, for the cause of Christ, you haven't arrived. Uh, and, and might I remind you, it tells us to maintain good works. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, and in verse 8 of the same chapter here, it says, be careful to maintain. Verse 1 says, be ready to every good work and, and be zealous in chapter 2. And then chapter 2, verse 7 says, show a pattern. This is not something that just, well, I went to church last week, I'm good to go. This is about a lifetime commitment of honoring God with our life and doing the things that he leads us to do. And listen, the basics, pastor does it all the time, the five to thrive. Those are the basics. That's where we start, right? And once we have those things handled, God can take us on and do more and more for us. And listen, if everybody in our church would do this, imagine what we could get accomplished in the city of Rapid for the cause of Christ. But I'm afraid the church is hindered because there's people that aren't even getting the five down. We're struggling in some of those areas. And listen, I'm not scolding you this morning. I'm just saying, uh, apply yourself. This wasn't even a New Year's message, but guess what? Tomorrow's New Year's Day. Resolve that in the coming year, you're going to do better for the cause of Christ. By the grace of God, and and we'll look at grace here in a moment, but by God's grace, we're going to maintain and we're going to be careful to execute what God wants to in and through our lives. A pattern of good works. We see that otherwise we might be like some in in chapter 1 that get, I guess we might say, disqualified for good work. Chapter 1, verse 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Boy, there are those that, that they're professed good works, but practically you'd think they might be an atheist because they don't ever do anything for God. What a shame. Boy, do their lives or the conversations, the manner of their life uh, indicate any true knowledge of Christ? 
listen, we don't want to be found unfruitful. God's given us all that we need to be fruitful, but we need to do our part. One commentator said they give the lie to their profession. They practically deny that faith they profess to hold and the power of godliness which they had the form. Listen, we need to be doers. It's not good enough just to come in here and and listen to the Word of God, but we need to be active in our faith. We need to be demonstrating those things that we believe. And so we have some final farewell notes here uh, to Titus in verse 15. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. None are mentioned here by name, which is kind of different than a lot of the ways the apostle closes out Uh, some of his other writings or his epistles. Romans, for example, in 16 says this, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius and Jason and Sopapater, maybe, uh, my kinsmen salute you. I, Tertius, and wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of uh, the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And Quartus, uh, brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So certainly, This was kind of different than how he had closed out some of those other things. But again, I just want to make note of, listen, it's not all about putting the name on paper and getting the notoriety. It's about just being found faithful to serve the Lord. And and certainly Titus may have known who was with the apostle, at least the majority of those. Certainly he was aware of some of those things. and, And so the Perhaps Paul didn't feel it was necessary to mention it. I think he knows who's with me. Uh, and, and Titus enjoyed a fellowship that exceeded the association of Paul. And so certainly they knew each other, people that, that each other didn't know. Um, but in any case, uh, let's just rest content to be the unknown Christian. Uh, that we don't have to be made known. It says, greet them that love us in the faith. And and again, no names given here. Paul enjoyed a fellowship uh, that was beyond just the ministry at Crete and Titus and and those other people. uh, But that word greet has the idea to enfold in the arms, to welcome and embrace. I think this is more than our social courtesies that we have in church today. Maybe in down south, those ladies are grabbing you. I'm like, I don't know this lady. She's giving me a giant hug. And some of them ladies are... Pretty strong. They can give a guy a squeeze and make his breath go. Do we have a love for the church family? Or is it just a social requirement to greet people? I believe the word greet here is deeper than what we are facing. Listen, we're all laboring together. And so as we come into this this church family, as we, gather, we choose to gather together here on a weekly basis, uh, let people know you love them. They've been struggling at work. They've been struggling in their homes. They've been struggling wherever. We all have challenges and difficulties that we face throughout the week. And this ought to be a place where we can come greet one another and exhort one another and encourage each other and to be a blessing. And he says this, grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. 
this epistle was not just designed for Titus. This was for all of the saints on Crete. He, they all need God's grace. Do we not need God's grace? I know I do. Grace, we often say, means favor. It denotes, uh, this is what Albert Barnes says, it denotes an ardent wish that all the mercies and favors of God for time and eternity, blended under the general name grace, may be conferred to them. God's grace. I, we could do a study just on grace. I don't know if we fully understand how the depths of God's grace and how significant that is to bring us to Christ and to allow us to continue to serve Him on this earth. We need God's grace. It was certainly appropriate in this epistle. uh, God's grace for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to His eternal life. So grace had a significant impact in these people's life. And the Apostle Paul saying, you need God's grace to continue on. And so we end this epistle. It's a short, simple letter. But it's filled with a lot of doctrine related to the minister and the member. Uh, this is a significant book in the, in the Bible, I believe. May all who read this epistle take it to heart. Setting in order whatever things may be wanting in your life. Whatever may be lacking uh, in your life and in, in the church. And as Paul's closing statement, grace be with you all. Do we not need God's grace in order to walk in good works? To be faithful to maintain those? It is grace that has brought us this far and grace that will lead us home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this book of Titus. And I pray, Lord, that we would make application of it in our lives. And that you would change us to be more like Christ. Lord, thank you for your grace. We pray for it this morning as we gather together with your people. We pray that as the word of God goes forward, that you would touch hearts and move in lives. And I pray that each one would leave this place closer to Christ than they came. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.